It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 661 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. I have two great conversations lined up for you today. Joining me first will be Jay Gibb. Jay is the founder of Cloud Sponge. And following my talk with Jay is another in my series of weekly conversations with my partner in crime, Bridget Gleason, Vice President of Sales at Logs.io. Now, this week, we're talking about, Bridget and I are talking about the three R's of sales, just like there are three R's of elementary education, reading, writing, arithmetic, so too are there three R's of sales, and you'll have to stick around to learn more about those. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Discover.org. The Discover.org platform is a game changer for sales and marketing professionals. The feature-rich sales intelligence platform is supported by 250-plus researchers who continually update contact data and provide account-specific insights to help sales and marketing teams break ahead of the pack. You can see it at discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. That's discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. Okay, joining me on the first segment on Accelerate this week is Jay Gibb. Jay has built CloudSponge on the belief that the best time and the easiest way to get a customer referral is to ask for it when closing an order. Now, for those businesses that close deals online, Jay and I talk about how to generate leads or customers from your existing users' contacts. It's really an interesting way to think about how to automate some of your prospecting in a very targeted fashion. Again, a very interesting approach to this challenge. When I first heard about it, I thought, hmm, we should share this with people because I'd never heard about it before. And I thought, this is very clever. All right, here we go. Let's have Jay join us. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. So... Where do we find you today? Pasadena, California. Pasadena, California. Now, do you go out and watch the Rose Parade? Uh, we go see the After Parade float viewing because it's right down the hill from my house, and it's a little less crazy. So you can just kind of, they park at the end of the parade about 11 in the morning. They park all the floats for a couple of days, actually, and you can buy a ticket for 10 bucks and just leisurely walk around and go look at the floats and have a... I'm a churro, so we usually do that. <laughs> well, I did that once. Actually, I saw it before the, the parade. And yeah, it's stunning. They are all made out of flowers. Yeah, all kinds of organic stuff. Fruits, vegetables, and flowers mostly. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right, so I got a question for you. That is sort of my standard question that I used to, with almost 100% of my guests here. And that is... In your opinion, what's what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? Well, I wouldn't call myself uh, a real professional in that, but you know, from what I see bo- from both sides of the table, being a guy that sells a product and also one that is the recipient of hundreds of terrible sales pitches every month, <laughs> I, I got to say that it's it's personalization. Like, <clears throat> it's very rare that I get somebody contacting me out of the blue who's actually done some homework and actually like personalize the message for me like I, i'm not talking about like putting my name into a dynamic variable i mean actually like spending 10 minutes and making sure that my product is a fit for what they're selling right every now and again i do and it's it's amazing i just happened the other day that uh, there's a company called g2 crowd sure i know them quite well and <clears throat> yeah they one of their SDRs emailed me, and she had made a maybe a ninety-second video of herself 
it was a screencast with her face in the corner and she said hey jay like i <clears throat> i see that you've got you know cloud sponge has a couple reviews on g2 crowd i just want to show you like what your experience would be if you actually became a customer of ours and she showed me sort of you know the administration panel of the cloud sponge account which had you know stuff on it that I recognized it was about my business and, and from, you know, the prospects that I, I was talking to that day and that week. And it, I mean, I, I felt compelled to reply to her. I didn't have a mm-hmm. choice. It was, it was so personal. Not only did I reply to her and have a conversation with her, I applauded her on LinkedIn and I said, this is, this is how it's done people. Like this is the way you do it. And now I'm sitting here talking about it on your podcast. So I guess, you know, it's paying dividends for her at this point. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, like, I just don't see enough of it. It's the way to sell, in my opinion. That's what we do at CloudSponge. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't know why more companies don't do it. Because the conversion rate's got to be, like, astronomical compared to everything else. Yeah. Well, and it's and it is an interesting question. Why not? I mean, there's, I think people sort of drink the Kool-Aid about this idea of, uh, mass personalization or personalization at scale. And it's a myth. I mean, what they're talking about is doing just as you said, is just putting the first name in a dynamic variable field in a mail merge and, and off they go. Yeah, that's not personalization the way that I think about it. Maybe it is like in the industry terminology, but when I think about it, I'm, I'm talking about something where, you know, the SDR, you know, can <clears throat> maybe reach out to, I don't know, five or six people per hour which maybe that's not a scale, right? But something where they actually take a few minutes, do something that shows me that you actually are talking to me and mm-hmm. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just a variable in a spreadsheet. <laughs> well, yeah, I get, uh, gosh, anywhere from five to 10 pitches a day for people wanting to be on the show. And the ones that, yeah, definitely catch my eye are the ones that are authentically personalized. Um, you know, the ones I hate when it's the obligatory first sentence is, hey, Andy, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. You know, as soon as they say that, it's like, nah, they've never listened to it. <laughs> but if somebody says, they've shown they've even listened to one episode and could say something about what happened in that episode, then well, at least opens the door. Right. Yep. So tell me a little bit then about Cloud Sponge or tell us, everybody, not just me, I'll share it with everybody. Uh, what CloudSponge does? Yeah, okay. So, so CloudSponge is a software as a service company uh, for online businesses that want to generate leads or or acquire new customers from their existing users' contacts and networks. So, instead of making users flip between windows and tabs to copy and paste contact information from their address books, or sometimes you know making them figure out how to export and import a CSV from you know, from a CRM or from their from their um, their contacts, CloudSponge provides uh, plugins and APIs that are designed to let them access their contacts natively inside a website, so that they stay focused and refer more people and don't get you know distracted by you know going to a, a different application on their computer to to look somebody up. So, so we're in the business of keeping keeping people really engaged with our clients' websites while they're looking for contact information in their in their address books. Interesting. So if somebody, let's say you've got a, a well, we'll get into some, like, several examples later, but um, you can, worst case, is that now worst case, a typical case is you're going to have somebody say, 
hey, invite your their website. They're joining a service, and the service says, hey, invite your friends. And so rather than having to leave that site to uh, go look up your friends in your Gmail or whatever, is you can actually invoke that contact database direct from the website. Exactly, yep. That's pretty cool. So, what was the impetus for starting the company, and what was the you know sort of crying need that you saw in the marketplace that you were filling? Well, it was we actually the origin story is a pivot, really, where you know we originally started building something else, where this which this most thing that, most companies start that way, by the way. <laughs> At least the ones yeah, exactly. I probably yeah, interviewed 100, 150 tech CEOs, and I'm not sure that any of them started off. Uh, or end up doing what they start off to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mad about it. I mean, it's just it kind of is how it is, you know. And and we so we were building something else, and one of the core features, one of the main things that we needed for this other thing was address book importing. And so at the time, this was 2010, roughly. You know, we tried everything, right? We tried using. Uh, open source packages like back then there was this one called open inviter which was pretty popular that's been abandoned now uh we tried you know there was some scripts you could buy and install like a php scripts and stuff that you could sort of buy and and, and get try to get them working and there was a there was a company called octazen that had this big crazy infrastructure you could install that kind of made it it was like a scraping machine that made you into like a moving target it was all the whole industry was just really complicated and nothing was great nothing really worked well nothing was reliable and so we ended up building it ourselves and just doing all these integrations with um, different places where people store their address books and just you know during that journey as we were building it and we were asking questions and searching for you know ips you know documentation and things like that we were side by side in all these developer forums, you know, Google developer forums, Yahoo, and Microsoft, and uh, Stack Overflow, and all these different places. And we just saw that there was tons of other developers building the same thing and asking the same questions. And we were collaborating with other people and realized that, you know, we should just stop what we're doing here from like a business strategy perspective and pivot to just selling this thing because this thing obviously already has a market there's already a bunch of people that are building this and wish they didn't have to so we just put a price tag on it and decided to sell it as as its own product and and you know companies have been buying it ever since so look wanted to sort of look at some specific examples and one that i thought was interesting you have uh that your profile is airbnb and uh, where basically they're using your product to be able to uh, have people invite or give people coupons that uh, they can redeem when they invite friends to join Airbnb. Yeah, that's one of our kind of uh, famous uh, famous um, logos, but also uh, you know our most common use case, which we refer to as re- the referral programs use case. Um, and just to be clear, we, we don't we didn't build Airbnb's referral program. Like this is well documented. There a whole bunch of geniuses at Airbnb put that together. But the one part of their of their referral program that we deliver for them that they don't want to build themselves is the address book importing part. So for example, if you log into an Airbnb account, either as a host or as a guest, 
and you go to you, you know you you find their their invite or invitation feature where they're mm-hmm. asking asking you to refer your friends somewhere on that page there's going to be a form field and everybody who's listening has seen this form field before there's going to be a form field where they're asking you to type in a comma separated list of email addresses right mm-hmm. everybody's seen these fields a million times and so that form field operates all by itself without cloud sponge in a in a manner that you know functions if somebody has their friend's email address memorized or if they only want to type in one or two people they'll they'll do it but as soon as that user needs to look somebody up now you're losing them they have to go to a different tab and open gmail or they have to open their address book on their phone or whatever it is they're doing you're going to lose their interest and so what Airbnb does is they buy the CloudSpunge product so that they can plug a Gmail button right beside that field and an Outlook.com button and a Yahoo button and an AOL button and whatever other buttons they want. If they're if the user is using the German version of Airbnb, then they're going to put GMX and web.de because those are the popular, popular web mail providers in mm-hmm. Germany mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Those are all, all of those buttons are powered by CloudSponge, and they we once a user clicks on one of them, we engage with that user, we, we authenticate them, we, we get permission to read their address book, we give them a you know an alphabetical list of all their contacts from their address book, and they're able to search and select and sort and kind of interact with their address book in a user friendly way, and when they're done and they close our widget, the field that's requiring a comma-separated list of email addresses is just stuffed full of whoever they selected. So it's like a, is, a check a checkbox you go through and check which list, which which uh, contacts you want to have included. That's right. Yep. So a question is is sort of in light of all the uproar about uh, Facebook and privacy and so on over the last uh, couple of weeks, or <laughs> excuse me, last six seven months or more. Um, yeah, are there concerns? You know, people that are using that type of feature. Yeah, you know, I think there's concerns at every level, right? We have concerns, and our our customers, our clients, our prospects, the people we're talking to, ask questions about that all the time. And the end users obviously have their concerns as well. And so we we do our best to address that at at all of those different levels. Uh, from our perspective, um, we don't. We don't save those contacts. We, they sit in memory in our server while the session is happening. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> once we've sort of delivered our product to our client, our customer, that just gets purged from memory. Nothing ever gets written to disk, and there's no, there's no PII stored anywhere in our infrastructure. We do save some metadata about... The transaction, like mm-hmm. when it happened, the IP address, how big was the address book, where did it come from, that kind of stuff. But the actual contents of the address book and the person who uploaded it, none of that is ever saved anywhere. Um, and and then really, you know, it's 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 something that I've got the data to show. You know, <laughs> well, I had that question. Of peop- a lot of people are perfectly comfortable doing it. I mean, it's yeah. it's something that um, you know while. You know, one of your individual listeners may or may not be the kind of person that would ever upload their address book that way. I can tell you that um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people per day use our system to do it. So it's it's a pretty popular use case. Yeah, well, I would imagine. I mean, to me, it's, it's you know, we have largely a small, mid-sized business audience, and 
yeah, if if you're selling a service, uh, you know, you're closing a transaction online, and uh, there's no better time to ask for a referral than right after the deal is closed. I mean, you want to do it later as well when they're a satisfied customer, but when people are sort of in the uh, you know the excited glow of of having made a decision, it's a good time to ask. Yeah, you know the way that we compartmentalize the different use cases for CloudSponge um, is that you know when we talk about referral programs, we distinguish that from the other use cases by the fact that there's some kind of monetary reward for either the referring party or the referred party, right? Which right. you know there's a lot of yeah, coupon a lot or of a dis- that- coupon or a discount, basically, right? Yeah, usually it's a, a coupon or a discount on your first purchase or a discount on your next purchase. Or, you know, famously, you know, Dropbox would give you, you know, an extra 100 megs of free storage right. when one of your friends signed up. So it's not always money. Usually it is, but not always, right? Sometimes if the company does have something other than money that they can offer, they'll start there, right? Um, but that's for us, the, the you know, the referral program use case involves that and, and really, part of the reason for that is because the application that that the, our client has to build has a lot more considerations than some of the other use cases that we have. You know, one of them is fraud, right? They get to worry about that. They have to figure out, you know, when to reward these people and when not to, and how to, you know, <laughs> how to write their terms and conditions and legal stuff to make sure that they're able to to claw those rewards back if if they change their minds about them and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so it gets a little bit complicated, and and that's why it deserves its own sort of separate use case in the way, the way that we talk about the, the, you know, the different ways that people use the product. Yeah, well, one that I think is, will be of particular interest to this audience is in our audience is because it's as I said primarily a sales audience is talking about using it for CRM import. So tell us tell us about that one, how that works. Yeah, so you know that's a use case where you know we have a plugin that you know when once the user authenticates you know with their address book and they they give our our customer permission to read it you know through CloudSponge <clears throat> we omit the interface that requires that they search and sort and select people because we know that the use case here in our client they just want the entire address book right and. The CRM import example, you know, we've, we've got a case study on our on our uh, website for a company called Gainfully. That's a uh, it's a financial services platform for you know financial advisors to be able to, you know, stay in compliance and be able to deliver financial news to to their prospects and leads and customers. Uh, and so for them to be able to use the Gainfully platform, part of their onboarding experience, part of the first thing that's required once Nick to, to actually leverage the, you know, the tool that's been built is to populate it with everybody in your address book, right? So that's why it's such a critical part for that, you know, that CRM onboarding use case and, and something else that's very similar to that. Well, so just to make sure I'm clear, so Gainfully requires new users to allow access to their contacts? To be, yeah, so, to, be, to be uploaded into Gainfully CRM system? That's right. So imagine imagine that you're a financial advisor and you've got a whole bunch of clients that are depending on you for financial advice. 
and you go to Gainfully and you sign up with their service, the first thing that they're going to tell you to do is upload your address book. <laughs> right? And the way that you do that, you upload your address book, and now you're able to communicate with your own customers. You know, And they'll give you basically all the different tools and things to communicate, and that's their that's their value proposition that they're offering Got to, it. you know, to those financial advisors. Yeah. Right. So their, their clients are financial advisors, not investors themselves. So that's right. Yeah. Right. So it's a tool for investors. Okay. Got it. Well, that makes sense. I was, I hadn't, hadn't connected the dots on that yet. So I was like, <laughs> you get the yeah. investors to upload there. Oh, interesting. And but, so a very similar thing in the, in the CRM import is actually, um, social networks, right? So right now, if you, you know, it, if you log into your Yelp account, which is a social network, you know, with reviews of restaurants, but they're also trying to set it up so that you're able to, you know, connect with people that you know within the Yelp network. Uh, there's a feature in there, just like most social networks have, where they'll say, hey, you know, upload your address book so that we can connect you quickly with everybody that you know who's already got a Yelp account, right? And so that's another example where. They'll take your whole address book and they'll match everybody in your address book against the entire Yelp database. And then they'll present you with a screen that says, hey, the following 55 people from your address book have Yelp, Yelp accounts. Would you like to follow them all? And most people say yes to that so they can see sort of what, you know, what restaurants their friends are reviewing and things like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, yeah, as you're describing it, it's, you can sort of see where some people might... I mean, as a vendor, I think it's great if you get people to ask to do it and you get the information, but it does seem a little scary for some people, I imagine. So the other interesting application you talked about in the website was uh, fundraising and crowdfunding. And yeah, I think this is really a great tool for people for this is that, again, is yeah, much after you just purchase something, you're sort of, you've reached a peak of excitement about it, it's a great time to share uh, talk with fundraising. Give the example of Kiva. It's been a platform around for quite a while that uh, for fundraising and so on is is uh, you know a great way to share your your passion with friends and family. Yeah, I mean that's a that's the use case that we we call invitations, and so it applies to fundraising. Uh, it also applies to like event invitations and e cards and gift registries and things like that where. You know, you've got a user and they've just gone through a process of creating something, such as a fundraising campaign in GoFundMe or uh, an e-card in Hallmark e-cards, you know, that they're going to send out for, you know, a holiday or, you know, something along those lines. And at the end of that process, you want that person to be able to share that, invite people to join to RSVP for their party or invite people to view the e-card that they made or invite people to contribute and donate to a fundraising campaign, right? And so, you know, the the growth activity for our clients there, um, you know, it doesn't usually come with a reward the way the referral program does, um, but it does come with a new user, right? They're getting basically their users to bring more people into their platform mm-hmm. Usually they make them, you know, create an account in order to take the action that their friend is asking, like, right. like RSVPing or whatever. Uh, and that gives them a, a new target, a new lead, and you know, a new, um, you know, growth op- opportunity. And that's why, you know, they want to optimize that part of their flow. They, they don't really want to make their users type everybody that they want, type email addresses for everybody that they want to come to their meetup. 
they they want to make it easy for that person to go and just select people from their address books. And so that's you know that's where we kind of fit into their to their UI flow. Yeah, and I think that but I think that's a great example is you know putting on events is yeah being able to invite people you know to to come or yeah you know, doesn't even have to be mass but it could be you know one or two people and I think this is uh, be pretty effective you said yeah do you know one person or do you know two people you know be very specific that you'd like to invite invite to this and then having that access to the context um, yeah the compliance has to go up quite a bit yep absolutely. And so, from an implementation standpoint, what what's that look like for you know the app vendor or the website uh, owner in terms of what they have to do on their end to uh, integrate your your tool? So there are a lot of ways to customize it, and so it can. <clears throat> it's kind of a long long answer sometimes. But well, I, was try, I guess what I was trying to get to is how turnkey is it. Well, it, in the situation where we have a client that has. You know, like I was saying before, like a, f- a field that is accepting a comma-separated list of email addresses, mm-hmm. and they want to just you know point our widget at that field, it's turnkey. It takes about five minutes. You just paste the JavaScript in your page, point it at the HTML element, the field, mm-hmm. and you're done. You know, you can optionally, you know, configure the way that you know the colors and the fonts and make it match your site and you can do sure. all kinds of other stuff optionally if you want to but if you, you know if if you really want to get just started quickly and and do an experiment to see if it's going to improve the performance of that of that interface you know it's less than 10 minutes for sure for for anybody who's got that uh for the you know the more complicated use cases such as the crm import it's a, it takes a little bit longer, you know. It'll take a, a couple hours because really, what you've got to do there is our our JavaScript widget is going to post to a webhook, right? We're gonna we're gonna take that payload that was just imported and we're gonna post it somewhere for you on your server. Um, and you know, you have to write something that's going to receive that payload and save it and process it, right? So it's a little bit a little bit more custom integration work for those use cases for that use case. Um, but for the people that generally just are looking for, you know, a way to improve the user experience of something that already exists, mm-hmm. it's usually pretty trivial. So something that, is that something you help people with or that people typically use their own resources? Both, yeah. If, you know, if they ask for help, we always help. Um, but, you know, we try to, we try to create, uh, you know, a lot of good FAQs and self-help and code samples and things like that so people can can do it themselves and sort of, discover how to do it before they even start a trial or before they st- sign up with us. Um, but anybody who emails us and asks for help, you know, will dedicate some technical resources to, to rolling up their sleeves and, and making sure that they, you know, they get, get value out of the product the way they need to. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I, I, uh, yeah, I just think that's such a, when I first came across cloud sponge and, and, uh, heard about what you're doing, it was like, Wow, this makes sense. You know, we sort of talked before we started recording about you know these these apps that can dramatically improve productivity or um, you know conversions in this case to sort of fly beneath the radar that um, perhaps deserve you know broader recognition. This is this to me is one of them that you know if you're looking for generating leads and new uh, new opportunities to follow up on, you know, asking people who you know, are in the process of doing something with you is is a great simple way to do it. I mean, I always, you know, even face-to-face business-to-business sales, I always 
counsel people and coach people is yeah, the best time to ask for a referral is right when you've closed the order. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why most of the best technology companies in existence do it, right? And so the reason why companies like Dropbox and Airbnb and Yelp and, and Nextdoor and so on, all these big, big guys, you know, they all do it for a reason. Um, and, you know, we're, our, our product makes it possible for smaller teams and, and people with smaller budgets, uh, you know, to get it, you know, in a few minutes, right? So that's, yeah, that's I mean, kind of the, the beauty of it. We're able to we're able to deliver a lot of value, uh, you know, in a really short amount of time. Excellent, excellent. Well, Jay, uh, tell folks how they can find out more about CloudSponge and connect with you. Uh, well, CloudSponge.com is the easiest way to learn about CloudSponge. Of course, tons of ways to contact us are there, including you know a link to my personal calendar. Uh, my email address is just jay at CloudSponge.com. And I pretty much own my name. If you just search for Jay Gibb on um, you know, Google or LinkedIn or anywhere, you'll find me. All right. Excellent. Well, Jay, thank you very much for joining us. Very interesting. Cool. Thanks very much for having me, Andy. It's been great. Thank you, Jay. Again, that was Jay Gibb, founder of CloudSponge, sharing his unique approach to generating referrals in real time. Join me next is my usual partner in crime, Bridget Gleason, Vice President of Sales at Logs.io. As I mentioned in the open today, Bridget and I are going to talk about the three R's of sales that every sales professional needs to learn. Readiness, relevance, and resilience. And stick around to learn exactly how the three R's can help you. So, Bridget, how are you doing today? Captain Andy, I am still waiting for my Captain Fantastic Something tchotchke, something. I think you had that. You're going to make for me. <laughs> I think you had Aren't that. Were you going to make backwards. something for me? No, you were going to make something for me. No, you were supposed to send me a gift using our friends at Sendoso to. Uh... They never sent me anything. Oh, really? No. Well, if they're listening. I mean, we're, we're now using we're now using them, but. Um, oh, you are. I can send you something. Yeah, but I. Uh, oh, you want me to send that first before I get my gift? Give to get. Yeah, is gift, this a gift exactly. To get? Give to get. A gift Perfect. to get. All right, gift to get. Perfect. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> now I got it. Yeah, it's something with like my my picture on it, right? Like a cookie with my face on it or something, you know. Okay. If you really want that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> How about really a very, want it. very expensive bottle of wine? That would Actually, be nice. I've got, I've got one sitting on my desk. That somebody those, sent to sound. our CEO. Our CEO, and he hasn't been able to get it to Israel yet. So the bottle it's of wine? Soon, it's soon going to make its way to my house. And then to me. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, I've been off. I've been off wine, alcohol, all the good stuff for. Yes, you told me. How's that going? You may fill the audience in. I know about this uh, very restrictive diet that you're on. Well, it's uh, like a reset. It's called Whole Thirty. I'm sure tons of people uh-huh. listening to this have done it. Um, my beautiful wife thought that that uh, we should do it, <laughs> and. Um, you know, I have a week to go, and yeah, I mean, it's really not that hard. I mean, it, it's the wine is the hardest part, I think, of of all yeah. of it, even more so than. And I'm a, I've got a sweet tooth, so even it's just something when you're eating dinner. I like having a glass of wine. I don't do it every day, yeah. but I mean, certain things I eat, I like having a glass of wine. Um, but it's interesting. I do, I do feel better. I mean, if the I think one of the things that's really 
maybe not the lesson, but one of the lessons you take away from doing this is that, because I'm very careful about not calling it a diet. It's really meant to be a a reset. You don't count calories. You do it for 30 days. And, And I know a lot of people continue on past that. And have had success losing weight, but it's it's uh, you become extremely conscious of what you're putting in your body in a way I, I never was before. In terms of you know just how food producers put sugar in everything and yeah. so on and so forth, and you know you're reducing all sources of inflammation, <clears throat> which we know is is a danger for for health, especially as we get older. Um, so yeah, I think on balance, I do feel feel better, but also feel better armed, let's say, knowing that you know, if, if Vicky and I want to go out, my wife and I want to go out and you know, have a nice rich meal somewhere, that you know, the next three, four days we get back on the plan and sort of correct and get back on track. And so, um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was tough the first few weeks because your body started going through this adjustment of finding its source of, of energy and yeah. having to learn how to burn your, not your fat, because you don't have none, but for something like me, uh, burning. Oh, yeah, you've, right. If anybody's looked, yeah, you, you've got a lot that you really need to burn off, but okay. Burning well, body fat. And I sort of uh-huh. made this, this strategic error, which I wasn't really paying attention to, is I'd signed up for this 62-mile bike ride. Uh, you know, not quasi-race, but not that really racing, but, you know, trying to do reasonably well on it. And... Yeah, right in the middle of of this diet, and I had no reserves. So I was riding with a friend that starts attacking on this one hill, and I'm like, yeah, wait for me at the top. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, when you just don't have any reserves. It was it was a long day, because I, I could tell about mile six that it was going to be unpleasant. Mm. Now, normal people might have said, well, why don't we stop and, or do a shorter version, but as Not Ma, you. As Moi said. That's... Mm. Yeah, I did all 62. Uh, of course you did. That mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me. Didn't Sus- surprise her either. No, no, she's st- stopped being surprised or amused by by that. Um, but so anyway, so yeah, another week, you can send me that wine. Okay. I'll be ready for right, it. Just keep watching the mail. Just I'll, keep watching the mail. Just keep watching just the keep, mail. Keep watching the mail. S- send it to my New York address. <laughs> So uh, today, I thought we'd dive into something that that I've been talking a lot about recently with with clients and also you know people in my audiences is, is uh, what I call the three R's of selling. Remember the three R's when we were growing up in education: reading, writing, arithmetic. Yep. And yeah, you know, those obviously they took license with the spelling of of writing and, and arithmetic, but. Uh, and it was really hard to type out when I was writing an article about that. I autocorrect did not like writing arithmetic, um, but I thought they were very similar. You know, these were the basic building blocks of skill building in education in elementary schools. Certainly, when you and I were were growing up, I don't know if they still use the the three R's, but but the thought was that if we could master these fundamental skills, then the world would be open to us. And and I was thinking about that and spent a lot of time thinking about well, are there sort of equivalents in sales? And so I came up with three R's for sales. And they are readiness, relevance, and resilience. Hmm. And so readiness, a little different perhaps definition than some people are when they're thinking about sales readiness. I mean, to me, 
to be sales ready, fundamentally sales ready, means that you've achieved a certain amount of fluency or mastery with you know, the basic behaviors and habits that you and I talk all about all the time that enable you to effectively connect and engage on a human level with another person. You know, inspire some trust so they'll invest their time in you. And I've talked about my BALD acronym, B-A-L-D. You know, really along the lines of that, just master these core behaviors. And to some degree, I mean, you don't have to be an absolute master, but to the point where, as I said, you have certain fluency in it, that 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 sort of defines readiness. And it's sort of like, you look at it from the perspective of an athlete. Uh, It's like, or yourself, right? You want to, just having the basic fitness, right? Putting in the the time to develop that, that basic fitness um, that enables you to compete. I like it. I like it. Readiness. Okay, let's hear the others. And so that's readiness. So relevance then is, and this really stems from this. We've all seen the research that, uh, at least multiple studies, I've seen that a pretty high percentage of C-level executives report they receive no value from meeting with salespeople. Uh, right? Oh, me, and my, me and my people. Yeah. Okay. So, and I've seen one study, the percentage was high as 80% of CEOs uh, were reporting that. So, in other words, salesperson wasn't relevant to the buyer's effort to quickly gather information to make a good decision. So, to me, relevance is, is a couple of things. One, it's, it's the depth of your knowledge about your product and how your customers derive value from it. And it's, it's the depth of your knowledge about your customers, their industry, their business, their needs, their requirements. It's such an important one. Re- the relevance is so important to be relevant. I yeah. mean, back to your point where so many are reporting that, yeah, it's not relevant, that they don't get any value. That's, that's breaks my heart. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that way because, I mean, here's the hard truth. And I've, you know, I, I sort of rage against this, I rant about this all the time is it would be ideal if companies would invest more in the development of their, their salespeople, but they don't. And it's, it's, mm. it's not going to change. And much as you and I benefited from having companies back in the day that invested a tremendous amount in us, you know, you and I talked once before, you know, we spent like 12 weeks our first year on the job at a training center, but we still had tremendous amounts to learn on our own uh, even then. And so it's even more of a demand now placed on on sales professionals, given comparatively small amounts of investment that are made by many companies in their sales people, is to you know, dive into it. You know, you have to learn about your product. You have to learn about your customers. You have to do reading. You have to develop your business acumen. You have to. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, you know, you still, and I did for <laughs> a decade or more. You know, I had the the ten minute MBA book in my top right hand drawer of my mm. desk. Because, yeah, if I heard of something or came across something I didn't know about in business, you know, I was reading financial statements or whatever, that's what I went to. Right. So I had, the, you know, constantly had something. And this was even after you know, the internet was around. It was just an easy resource, you know, to page through a chapter. So, but now you can find that all online in a heartbeat too. Is, is, but you have to be curious and willing to make that, that investment to become relevant. And once you once you are once you have that feeling of not sort of being on the outside looking in, but but actually co-creating, collaborating with your prospects, you never want to lose it. 
That's definitely true. You do, that's that's one of the great parts of sales is that collaboration. Well, I think it's it's once you reach a certain level is you begin to understand it's like, oh wow. This is really different, right? This sales is really different than sales I was doing before now that I'm adding real value to my prospects. And not just, you know, saying I am, but actually am, right? Because I have the knowledge, I have the the insights, I have the you know, I said the business acumen to be able to listen to their their requirements, their needs, their objectives, their vision of where they want to be and sort of synthesize everything I know about my product and their their requirements and what's happening technologically, maybe in the industry, and say, yeah, this this I think is the direction we should head. It takes a lot of, uh, I guess, maturity also to be able to hold that position. You know what I mean? Like to be able to hold that position and really claim that spot as a peer and someone who can add value. And I don't think maturity in you need to be old, but I think it goes back to you, if you've got if you've got that readiness and if you have done the work to be relevant, then you do have the right to hold that position, but you've got to do the work in order to be able to have that. You, you don't, it's not your right as mm-hmm. a salesperson to have that spot right. and to have that space. Right. Absolutely. And I, well, I think that plays. And, in- and I think, and I think it, and, and I think maybe in the olden days, um, <laughs> we we could claim that spot because they needed to go through a salesperson to get the information they needed. Mm-hmm. And so by definition, we were de- relevant because we were the, the gatekeepers of information to the information they wanted. Well, that's not the case anymore. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that is absolutely part of it. But I think, I think part of the other thing though, too, it starts playing into the third R a little bit, which is to talk about resilience is it takes a lot of work. Yeah. It takes an investment where the payoff is not immediate. And, That's right. And, uh, yeah, you may lose some deals until you get to that point, you know, in ways that will be personally very frustrating to you because you think, you think, yeah, I'm there, I've done it, but no, you're not quite there yet, right? Right. And, you know, as I like to say, the only thing that's really 100% predictable in sales is that something will go wrong. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. Sales. What is sales? Definitely. Sales, sales is a complex inter- a complex interaction between two complex two or more complex human beings, and so it's just guaranteed something's going to go wrong. Um, so yeah, this this idea of of resilience as a mindset, you know, as you're coming of of age and and you have sort of impatient for things to have happen. And you're not necessarily succeeding as much as you want to, or even once you're there and and uh, you encounter adversity, is yeah, resilience to me is really that that sort of third third R. And I've I've talked about it before. Yeah, I love the um, quote from I've told you before. One of my favorite quotes from Paul Tillich, who was an American philosopher and theologian, who who said. Uh, you know, an awareness of the ambiguity of you know life's highest highs as well as your your, your deepest lows is a definite symptom of maturity. Mm. And I think that's that's something people really need to keep in mind is that it's 
you know, yeah, there could be highs, yeah, there'll be lows. You know, in the grand scheme of things, they're not that critical. It's, you know, what are you doing to continue to improve and to serve your customers mm-hmm. and to increase your relevance and and readiness and then good things happen. Yeah, for those I, I like the, I like your acronym bald. I probably like that one better because I just I just like the acronym bald. But <laughs> I think the three R's are just super important. They're basic and foundational and fundamental. Yeah, they're your building blocks. They're your building blocks. Yeah. But that's I think for me is is and we've talked about this as well before, is as the further I get into my my career in sales, which again spans four decades now, is is mm. what I find is actually it really <laughs> I want to emphasize the the basic things more because I understand more than I ever did and increasingly becomes increasingly clear to me every year I'm in sales and I work with more companies and more salespeople is that it's it is not the complex things that makes the difference. It is the simple things that make the difference. It is this, one of my one of my sales reps um, he's one of my enterprise and just an amazing, super experienced guy. One of his phrases that I like is he says, you've got to be brilliant at the basics, be brilliant at the basics. And that's yes. sort of his, oh, what he also talks to um, kind of the, the newer and younger reps about is um, you just got to, that's, if you do anything, just be brilliant at the basics and you'll be fine. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I always, you know, I like to have athletic <laughs> analogies for some of these, but but if you think about, uh, you know, like swimming and, and I follow swimming closely, and <clears throat> I just remember like at one event, I don't know if it's Olympics or somewhere, but their interview, I believe it was Michael Phelps, but I have no other mm. source, the same, same conversation. It's like between, you know, the preliminaries and the finals or preliminaries and the semifinals or whatever. And I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to cool down, but then I'm going to go look at the film because I don't, I don't think I got my flip turn quite right. <laughs> right? It's like, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, here's a guy who's God, the greatest ever, great? right? And yeah. he wants to go spend time looking at his turn on film to see what he could do different. Something that he does several hundred times a day in training. Mm. So it's that. It's that a level of attention to basics that if you're brilliant at them, as your sales rep says, Really makes a difference. Really makes a difference. I mean, you can you can master, you know, I don't call them arcane skills, but I know people who spend a disproportionate amount of their time trying to get really good at at presentations, and but they haven't invested in being relevant, right? And so they can give a good presentation, but they don't have the depth behind it, right? And the customer can see right through it. You can tell right away, right? So you know, invest in the basics. Readiness, resilience, or relevance and resilience. You should be in good shape. All good. All right. Friends, thank you again for joining us, Bridget. As always. Wily Wednesdays. <laughs> Another, <laughs> week went by. Another week went I'm by. Another week went by and keep I, saying I still don't. Until, until you give me a new one, I'm going to keep saying it. Okay. Now, this time, unlike other times when I said I was writing it down, I actually, yeah, okay. I actually am writing All it down right. in my notebook. Right. Write it down. A name for Wednesdays. All right. How about if we just call the Wednesdays Wanda? Like a, you know, a name. Give it a name. Wanda. Okay, Wendy. Wendy. There you go. Huh? All right. Uh, Another thing to think about. It's on about. your list. That's right. Okay. 
All right, until Bridget, next time. As always, and friends, thank you as always. Till next time. Sounds good. Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Jay Gibb, and my friend, Bridget Gleason. Join me again next week as I welcome Chris Ahrens to Accelerate. Chris is a partner at Inc. Digital and co-author of a book titled The Digital Helix, Transforming Your Organization's DNA to Thrive in the Digital Age. This is a very relevant topic uh, to many that we've been discussing recently. In particular, what would a digital transformation of your sales look like anyway? And of course, no episode of Accelerate would be complete without sharing stories with Bridget. As always, she'll be joining me for our weekly conversation. So be sure to join us then. Thanks again to our sponsor, Discover Org, for their ongoing support of Accelerate. Thanks again for joining me. And until next week, good selling, everyone.